the people of Britain are more influenced, I think, by our political leadership than perhaps at any other time in history. That we are more influenced by our ruling classes, by our political leadership than at any time before. You probably see what I mean. Um, let's take a couple of hundred years ago, what would have happened? People would get on with their everyday task, they get on with their everyday work, and they would do so without any real thought for who's supremely and sovereignly in control of the country. Isn't that right? They'd be farming, maybe, or, or baking, doing whatever, and they're not thinking about the king. They're not thinking about the queen. They're just getting on with their tasks. Well, hasn't that uh, changed today? Uh, you know what it's like. Barely an hour goes by where either on your phone or on your TV or on your computer, you're not confronted with Nicola Sturgeon or uh, maybe Donald Trump's there before you every hour. Or uh, maybe it's Theresa May. We almost can't escape these people at this point in time. And we are kidding ourselves if we don't think that they are very, very influential. Isn't that right? Like, take Gordon Brown as an example. So maybe about 10 years ago, maybe even a little bit further back than that, Gordon Brown, he starts putting phrases like British values into his speeches. And he puts the word tolerance into the speeches that he makes. Now, what happens there? That seeps into the public consciousness, doesn't it? It seeps into almost everyday life and everyday speech. These politicians, whether we like to admit it or not, they are very influential. Well, tonight we're turning back to Ecclesiastes. So let me me try and tell you about the purpose of what we've got in front of us. In this section, and it's not an easy portion of scripture, I'm sure you you picked up on on this. In this portion of scripture, Solomon is trying to push you and me towards wisdom. So in the whole of the portion of scripture, he's trying to encourage us to be wise, but to be wise in certain specific areas of of our lives as the children of God. Now here's the thing though. At every area of her life that he mentions, he makes reference to political leadership. He makes reference to rulers in the land for every area that he mentions. Why? Because he wants the people of God to learn from the mistakes that our politicians and our rulers very often make. So... You know the drill. You know what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you please ensure that you have uh, your uh, Bible open in front of you at Ecclesiastes 9.13. I think there are three main lessons that Solomon teaches us in Scripture. So three lessons, okay? A bit wordy, but let's go for the first one. Here it is. In the face of political folly, we are to be wise with our leaders. So there's going to be three L's. The first one, we have to be wise with our leaders. Now, many years ago in Inverness, uh, a few of my friends and I, we, every week without fail, we would go down to uh, a local music venue in, in Inverness. And it was kind of the same setup every week. Um, there'd be a bit of music, we would play a bit of music, and then there would be a break... And during the break, this elder Invernesian guy with a 
big massive beard. He would be invited up to the stage every week and his job was to tell the gathered crowd a story. Okay, now that maybe sounds a bit naff, uh, does it? It was not naff, far from it. It was really good because each story, he would tell the story in a sort of dramatic way, this old sort of folk tale or whatever it might be. And every story that he would tell week by week, it always had, you had to listen because every week there would be this very subtle but quite important point that the story was making. Okay, week in, week out, that's, that's you would be listening already on top of tender hoops to try and work out the point. Do you know what? That's what Solomon is doing at the start of the section of scripture here. Do, do you see what I mean by that? He tells you a story here. And he tells, tells you the story to make very subtle but important points. So I want you to look at it with me and see if we can understand what the story is about. So if you look at your Bibles at verse 14 of chapter 9, you see what he does? So the story is about a little city. And the city is besieged by a sort of great and powerful king. Now, I think you can see that the odds are kind of stacked against the city because the... The vulnerability of the city is stressed by Solomon. He's saying it's a wee town. You know, it's a tiny little vulnerable city. And he's also stressing the power of the king. Because do you notice that? There's this sort of great siege works that the king builds against the city. Now what happens? Well, despite the great odds, do you see what happens? Look who intervenes. You've got a poor, wise man. This is a poor guy, uh, maybe an old guy, but he's a wise man in the city. And, and through maybe some words of wisdom or something, not only does he help the people, do you see what happens? He actually delivers this tiny city from harm. I love that. Don't you love it? You know, we all love an underdog story, don't we? And here's this poor wise man delivering the city from, from this great king. Now, what do you expect to happen? Like, here's this poor wise man who delivered this whole, like, this city. What do you expect? I expect the guy to be rewarded. Is he going to be knighted? Is he going to be hoisted up on people's shoulders? Not a bit of it. It's so sad, really. Because not only is the man forgotten about. Look at verse 15. No one remembered him. And not only that, look at this. What seems to happen when you analyze it is that another ruler rises up and he's a fool. He's a loud, ignorant ruler. But the people in the city seem to follow him rather than the wise man. And this ignorant ruler, he ruins all of the peace that this man... Look at verse 18. One sinner destroys all of this good. Now here's the thing. I think that there is Solomon's main point in the first section. The point that one errant politician... That he can cause all manner of harm. One loud, errant, foolish politician can do so much harm. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10. This politician can be like a dead fly in a perfumer's ointment. You see the idea? He can ruin everything. Man. He can, this politician can ruin absolutely everything. And I don't know about you, but... It seems almost ludicrously relevant to us today, doesn't it? Like a foolish politician making a mess of everything, doesn't it? You're thinking, Solomon, did you write this? When did you, you know, like, write this last week? 
But friends, what's the point? I mean, what's the point for us? Because Solomon here is not just dissecting political culture. He's instructing the people of God. What's the point here? What, what do we do? Look at verse 4. Here's the answer. This is what it all comes down to. The, 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 the momentum comes to verse 4 and he says, If the anger of this ruler rises against you, don't leave your place. Now, what does he call for? What's the word? For calmness will lay great offences to rest. Do you see what he's calling for? He's calling for calmness in the face of this political reckless. It's almost like Solomon tonight is holding up one of those terrible uh, motivational posters from World War II, saying to the people of God, in the face of political recklessness, keep calm and carry on. Now, friends, what do you think of this Advice, this instruction for the people of God, this idea of calmness, calm. What do you, isn't it actually marvelous advice? Because isn't this true, friends, that there is an area of modern life where the people of God are in danger of causing great dishonor to the name of Jesus? I'm sure you see what I mean. Like, let's say Nicola Sturgeon will make a, a speech about a referendum. Or Theresa May will speak about Brexit. What happens? Or, or, or Donald Trump will speak about whatever it is that Donald Trump speaks about. How do Christians very often respond to that? Isn't there this, very often, this immediate outpouring of fury on social media? Isn't that what we see? We see irate post after irate post, even from the people of God. Isn't that right? Well, hear this, friends. Our job as Christians isn't just to stand out for the Lord Jesus Christ in the workplace. Not just to stand out for Jesus Christ amongst our friends. Our job is to stand out for the Lord Jesus Christ even in how we interact online. And we're to be calm. We're to be collected, even on Facebook, even on Twitter. And why? Is it just because God wants us to be sort of goody two-shoes, sort of nicey-nice type? It's not that. He wants us to be calm. Why? Because it is effective. I mean, what's verse 4? Calmness will lay great offences to rest. Or what about Proverbs 25, 15? Listen to this. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded. God wants you to be calm. He wants me to be calm. Why? Because it's such a potent weapon against this sort of political recklessness. So how about this, friends? Whether it be this week, tomorrow morning, with your boss or with your supervisor... Or whether, if it's, if you're young, whether it's with your parents. Or whether, if it is indeed with our political leaders. As the people of God, let's seek to be measured. Let's seek to be calm. And why? All for the glory of Jesus. So in the face of political folly, we have to be wise with our leaders. Second L. In the face of political folly, we have to be wise with our labor, with our labor. I, I, I hope you see 
how this section of Scripture is working. Can I reiterate it for you? Uh, Solomon's encouraging us to be wise in certain areas of our lives. And in each area, he's pointing us to the political leaders and to the mistakes that they make. Yeah? We got it? So as we move on in this chapter, move into the chapter, what's the next political problem that we see? Okay, well, maybe you remember the name Rob Ford. Do you remember the name Rob Ford? Laura's nodding her head. It's a good Canadian. Rob Ford was that uh, Canadian mayor that uh, hit the headlines a few years ago for causing all manner of scandals and and problems uh, in Canada. Now, at the time, the general attitude, I think, to this guy, Rob Ford, was one of sheer, almost kind of uh, disbelief. You know, people were looking at this guy and thinking, how did he become mayor? You know, he didn't seem to be cut out for political office. Some people at the time were even saying he doesn't even seem to be the sharpest tool of the box, and yet he has kind of risen up to this position of power and influence. Now, you see that? That's actually the sort of thing that Solomon talks about in this this next section of Scripture from verses 5 to 7. Because what he does is he talks about the absurdity of political life. Do you see what I mean? Like very often we will look at a politician in their early days and they'll seem really wise and they'll seem very prudent. And what happens? Maybe they don't make it in politics. Or other times, not mentioning any names at all, okay? Not mentioning any names. But sometimes we will look at a politician and they don't seem to be cut out for politics. And what happens? They rise up and they become incredibly influential and then incredibly powerful. It's absurd. Now, we can see the relevance of that to the 21st century. But again, look, what do we have to come back to? What's that got to do with you? What has that got to do with me? Well, actually, if you look very closely at that section from 5 to 7, you'll see that Solomon is not just speaking about the absurdity. He's actually speaking about the errors that these foolish politicians make, the the, the mistakes they make. Look at verse 5 with me. Let me read verse 5. Solomon says, I've seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from this foolish ruler, this ruler that really shouldn't be there. So he's making an error. He's making a mistake. So I wonder, in light of that, do you see the point that Solomon is making to you? Very, very simple point. He is saying that you and I are not to follow suit. He is saying that you and I are not to be like these error-strewn politicians. That you and I are to pursue wisdom in the way that we work. We are to pursue wisdom in our daily tasks. And I want you to appreciate this with me. That what Solomon goes on to do is genius. Because what Solomon does now is breaks into humor. Breaks into humor. and Because uh, what he does is he gives us examples of the mistakes and the accidents that people could make if they're not wise at work. And it's like watching Failblog or Mr. Bean or something like that. Because look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. He speaks of... <laughs> It's like the Marx Brothers verse, isn't it? He speaks of a man who digs a pit, and yet he digs a pit, and then he falls backwards into the pit. Okay, so you're thinking, what a, what a, what a fool! And then you've got 
the same verse, he speaks of a farmer. Let me, let me explain what he says. Um, in ancient Israel, you had little stone walls around your vineyard to protect you from the snakes that would come in. So what does Solomon speak about? He says this farmer, he knocks down this uh, little stone wall. And what happens? The sneaky little snake comes in and he bites him. Again, you're thinking, what a, what a fool. But the best one is in verse 11. Have a look at verse 11. You've got a snake charmer. And what the snake charmer does is he grabs the snake, but he grabs the snake before he has charmed it, before he has hypnotized the snake. And he goes to grab it. And what happens? What happens? He gets bitten. Do you see the, do you see the humor? Do you see the lunacy of it all? Well, friend, don't lose sight of the point that he's making here. He's saying, you and I are not to be like this. We're not to be like the Edderstream politician. We're not to be like these fools here. You and I are to pursue wisdom in the way that we work. So let me say this to you this evening, friends. Would you give what Solomon is saying here some real thought for your own life? The idea of wisdom in your daily tasks. Because look around us just now. Um, We all have varied tasks. Some of us are in college, some of us in school, university, some of us daily tasks at home, some of us in the office. So varied in here. But do you see the principle? God here, for his own glory, he doesn't want you to just trudge through your working day. Understand that? He wants you to be wise about how you work for his For his glory, for the glory of Jesus Christ. He wants you to use your brains as well as your brawn. He wants you to be imaginative. He wants you, if you can, to try and work off your own. He wants you to ensure that you are not like these politicians that we see on the internet and on the news all the time. You know the people. The people who ruin their careers through folly and mistake. He wants us to be wise in our labor. And then the third and the last thing, we said three L's, didn't we? So the last one is this, that in the face of political folly, we are to be wise with our lips. 16th century, early 16th century in China. There's a little boy. And he learned that his dad died, which was bad enough. But he also learned at the same time, at the age of nine years old, this little boy called Wan Li had just become the emperor of the whole of the Ming dynasty. And uh, what happens? Well, this, this boy, Wan Li, he grows up. He grows up to become the most hopeless leader imaginable. He grows up and his life deteriorates into debauchery and drunkenness. And he eventually goes on, I think, to give up all sorts of responsibilities at all. Total and utter catastrophe from this young man. We'll see from verse 16 onwards here. It's almost like Solomon's got something like that in his mind. Okay? Because he talks, do you see, about a child who becomes the ruler. And here's the problem with that. He talks about a ruler who rules for himself. 
ruler who's given a sloth and leanness and, and total drunkenness. And you see what happens in verse 18 because of the self-indulgence. We are told that the roof sinks in. That because of this ruler's sloth, the self-centeredness, that the whole kingdom, the whole empire comes to ruin. So again, look at us. We think that's not much of a stretch for the 21st century, is it? A political ruler who rules for themselves and for their own ego. But what's this question we're asking every single time? What has it got to do with you? What has this got to do with us? Do you know Solomon's very clear this time? In verse 20, what does he say? He says, we are not to speak about these rulers behind their backs. He speaks against being two-faced. That's what he does. He says, like, even if you don't think you're going to get caught, even if these rulers are making a real mess of things, don't be bickering behind their backs. Don't be speaking about them behind their backs. And... We tonight, we say, okay, that sounds fine. We can, we can go along with that. That's all right. That's, that's, that's fine. Here's the problem, though. In that section, Solomon is not just instructing you about how you speak about politicians. He's instructing you and me about how we speak generally. And I want you to know what he says. Look at verse 13. He says that the words of a fool... Will end in, what are the words he uses if we use foolish speech? Madness. Evil. Verse 14, fools make predictions that can't be known. Verse 15, the words of a fool, they're going to get him lost. They're going to lead foolish words to pain, to tragedy. So do you see the lesson? We have to watch how we speak. Otherwise, we too were going to run into difficulty. So let me tonight bring that to your door and apply it. And I want to ask you, I want you to think about this this evening. Is the way that you speak as a Christian a problem? Is the way that you speak an issue as a Christian? Are you quick-tempered Are you prone to a quick, fast, angry word? Are you very quick to criticize other people, to verbalize these criticisms? What about the the emphasis of the text that Solomon has here? Are you two-faced? You know, is it it an issue that you would speak ill of somebody behind their back in the workplace? Worse still... Would you speak ill of somebody behind their back in the life of God's church? Somebody that Jesus has placed his name upon. Would you speak ill of them behind their back? Does this sound familiar to you? If it does, friend, let me encourage you to take very seriously what Solomon is saying in this portion of scripture. And to make that, your speech, the way that you communicate, make it a matter for prayer this coming week. And to notice verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth, they win him favor. But then look at the warning. The lips of a fool will consume him. And I'll end like this, okay? We've done this before. I want to do it again. We did it earlier on in Ecclesiastes. What's the elephant in the room in the portion of Scripture? 
done it before. Who's not mentioned in the whole of the section? God is not mentioned in this whole portion of his own words. Now, what does that mean? Like, does that mean that this tonight is just a moral treatise? Does this mean that this sermon tonight is not really a sermon? That it's just advice about how to live a not bright life? No. Because, friends, who is it that stands ahead of us as the great exemplar of all that we've looked at tonight? Who is it that has fulfilled all of these uh, instructions, all of these things that are called for? Who fulfilled them all? Is it not our Lord Jesus Christ? Is he not the great example for us? Because think about the first point tonight. Do you remember what it was? Calmness in the face of political folly. What do you see with Pontius Pilate? Do you not see your Lord before him? And there is this serene calmness, this beautiful silence, even in the face of political corruption. And what was the last point tonight? What did we just talk about? Speech. What was Jesus noted for? Can I read Luke 2 to you? Listen, Luke says, All these people spoke well of Jesus and they marveled about something. What did they marvel at? They marveled at Jesus' gracious words. And then what was the middle section? What was the middle point tonight? Yes! Did our Lord Jesus not display great wisdom in his daily work? His daily task. Think about his earthly ministry. Wisdom in his dealings with men. Wisdom. Great wisdom in his dealings with Satan. Wisdom even in his desire to go to the cross. And what do we see there at Calvary? What do we see there at Golgotha in Jesus' death? What do we see? We see a death that the world outside is going to tell you is folly. The idea that the Son of God would die for sin, would bear the wrath of his own Father, the world outside will tell you that is foolishness. What do you know it is? That death, death that displays the perfect wisdom of God. So friends, let us go from here tonight and let us really seek to obey, to think through, to pray about what Solomon says here. Shall we? Shall we? I mean, let's, let's seek to be wise, calm with our leaders. Let's seek to be prudent in the way that we work. Let's seek to be wise, gentle, gracious in the way that we speak. And let's do that for the glory and let's do it seeking the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.